Let's open to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. I think I entitled it the work of the church. We could have called it the pause that refreshes. But Joshua chapter 8. Our, our text is going to be verses 30 through 35. But we're going to begin verse 25. It says, So it was that all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000 of all the people of I. For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of the city Israel took as booty for themselves according to the word of the Lord which he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded they should take his corpse down from the tree and cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raise over it a great heap of stones that remains to this day. And then we begin with our text. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in the Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man had wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. When all Israel and with their elders and officers and judges stood on either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger, as well as he who was born among them, half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, the strangers who lived among them. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this passage of Scripture, I ask that you would calm our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask by uh, that same power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us and make your word go out in power. And in truth and accomplish what you wanted to accomplish this morning. Father, for those that need to come and accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray you convict them about their need to do that. For those who need to come and join the church. Or rededicate or surrender. We just ask that we would be your people and we would obey you this morning. You just have your will with us, Lord. You be glorified in our midst. I pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We come to a section of Scripture, and uh, it seems sometimes a little odd to talk about the church from an Old Testament Scripture, but really the people of God in the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament are the people of God. And so we can learn from their lives what we're supposed to do. We can learn from their lives what we're not supposed to do. But as we come, uh, G.B. Howe, uh, G.B. Howe Jr., uh, he's a pastor in Atlanta, and he went to that famous uh, uh, historic Fox Theater and saw a play. And he met a man there. He was an Irishman. And he spoke that broken uh, uh, 
kilt that they have. And, and they were talking, and finally it turned around to the church where he pastored. And the guy said, I can only see four uses for the church of our day. And Dr. Howe said, really, four churches? He said, yeah, we hatch, we match, we patch, and we dispatch. I said, what? Hatch, match, patch, and dispatch. And he said, yeah. He said, when people are born or born again, we hatch. <clears throat> when they're sick, we pray over them, we patch. Uh, when they're married, we match. And when they die and we bury them, we dispatch them. And I read that and I thought, isn't there more to it than that? Doesn't the church exist more than that? And then I get to thinking of some that I meet in our day, in our area. They really think that the church is boiled down to two things, for marrying and burying. And there's a lot more to the church than even that. And see, as we look at this scripture, the reason I wanted to look at it is because they had learned an important lesson after being defeated at I and then winning victory at I. They had learned to follow God and listen. And see, we have to follow God to accomplish His purposes for His church. We have to listen to God and obey if we're going to accomplish what He wants us to do as a church so that we're more than just a hatch, a match, a patch, and a dispatch, which would be very, very boring to me. So, Let's look and see what actions we're going to take. You see, here they are. They've experienced a great victory at Jericho. Here they are. They experienced a stunning defeat at Ai. They come back and do exactly what God says, and they wipe out Ai. They're back on the victorious path, and then they pause. In the midst of all this invading the land, they pause. And in that pause, we learn what to do as a church. The first thing is this, the people paused to worship. They paused to worship. That's what verse uh, 30 and 31 tell us. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel as is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man had wielded an iron tool, and they offered on it burnt offering to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. In the midst of everything they'd been doing, they realized that victory was because God was with them. Victory was because he fought for them. They realized it was because of him they had their being, their movement, their purpose in life. And therefore they paused to worship. And the church had better realize that we need to pause for worship. See, worship should be at the core of what we do and what we're about as a church. And there's a reason for that. The God who has redeemed us is worthy of our worship. To redeem means to buy back. Jesus came down, born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose the third day. He ministered for 40 days after that. And he ascended back to the Father with a promise that one day he's coming back for his church, for his people. And he who redeemed us, who bought us from the fields of sin, who bought us out of the slavery of sin, who bought us with his precious blood, is worthy of worship. 
Let's get a little more personal in that. Do we understand that worship gives us the opportunity to silence our world and spend time with God? Our world demands our time. Our world grabs our time. Our world wants to clamor for our attention and affection. It takes us away often from the things that God would have us to focus on. So it's very important to pause and worship. Without worship, we're in spiritual trouble. Our spiritual lives shrivel without worship. Without worship, there's no peace in our souls. Without worship, the humdrum of life becomes exhausting, despairing, and hopeless. As we assemble together, we're not here to make business contacts. We're not here to score spiritual brownie points with God. We're not here so everybody can see us. We are gathered to the God of gods, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer, the one who saved us empowers us and blesses us and is coming back for us. He deserves our worship. And anything else is hypocrisy. It's going through the motions. Not only after victories, but even after defeats. We need to learn to worship. Sometimes we have those mountaintop experiences that are so wonderful because everything's gone right and there's been a spiritual victory. And then we dread going back to the valley, but it's through the valleys that we learn that the presence of God is with us on the mountaintop and in depths. It's through the valleys that we learn that God is dependable and He deserves our worship even in times of defeat. Too often we think we've done something wrong or God has abandoned us. But he's the one that said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the one who said, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that friend died on the cross in my place and your place. And he alone is worthy of our worship. Worship takes different forms. I want you to hear this very carefully. We're not going to argue about the forms of worship. As long as it does not take glory away from Jesus Christ, it's okay. If you want to be a little more exuberant, fine. When you start jumping on the pews, stop. If you want to be quiet and cry because you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, cry. If you want to be somewhere in between, fine. Just don't go to sleep. That really discouraged me when you start going. (laughs) Because, see, we are gathered not just because of the beautiful music, not because of the great Sunday school, not to hear the preacher. We are gathered to offer our worship to the living Lord of Lords who died in our place. And we should pray every time that he is glorified in our midst. That he is lifted up. Because Jesus said when he was lifted up, he would draw men and women, boys and girls, unto himself. And so we need to pause to worship. Now for the middling. If you missed Sunday school this morning, you missed half of worship. Well, I, no, you take that up with God. I, I don't. 
you know, I don't, I don't condemn you, but I want to tell you something. You missed a blessing. How about, is that better for me to say it that way? I know you're busy, but when you miss Wednesday nights, you miss a blessing. When you miss Sunday nights, you miss gathering with God's people. Well, that's, take it up with God. If he tells you it's fine, it's fine. You owe me no explanation at all. If he doesn't tell you it's fine, you owe him one. Is that, is that too harsh or is that okay? See, because we worship. Not only that, I want to tell you something. Let's go a step further. If you're not worshiping God at home during your quiet time in Bible study, you're missing out on a blessing. See, what you do in private, God rewards openly. That's what he said. When you close your closet door and you pray privately, the Father who sees in private will reward you openly. And he is worthy of worship. Have you ever noticed that worship happens all around us during the day? The birds are singing. The flowers are growing. Not for long, but... <laughs> the wind is blowing. The trees are turning colors. You say, that's not worship. I'm not saying that's God. I'm saying very nature praises Lord. And we should too. We need to pause to worship in our busy days. The second thing, these people pause to read. Look at verses 32 through 35. They paused to read. And there in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel and all their elders and the officers and judges stood on either side of the ark before the priests and Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger as well as he was born among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward... He read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There's not a word of Moses that he commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. These people paused to worship, and as they paused to worship, they paused to read. Now listen, they built the altar of those stones exactly the way Moses had told them to build it to offer sacrifices. And then, I don't know how he wrote on the stones, but some way he wrote on the stones. Now, I don't believe he chiseled them because they wasn't supposed to have any ironworks, what it said. That's what the altar was to be built out of. But maybe he got some charcoal. Maybe he had another kind of rock, but he wrote all the law on the word, on the stones. Maybe it was just the Ten Commandments. I don't know. But he got out the law and he read it. You see, here's, here's my point. The people paused to read. He took the time to carve the stones and, and how he marked them for the word of God. See, he's demonstrating, he's demonstrating his reverence for God's word. Do we revere the word of God? That's a word we don't use often. Do we hold it up high? Do we believe it? Do we live it? Do, do we study it diligently? Now, I don't know how long it took to read all of Moses' words, but the people stood up, every one of them, the whole time he was reading it. And some of y'all are thinking, boy, he's getting long-winded today. But think about it. Half on one side of the altar, half on the other side of the altar. Moses said, these are the blessings for obeying God. These are the cursings for not. He read it all to them. 
And as they're worshiping and offering their sacrifices, the word is being read <clears throat> till it's all done. As Southern Baptists, our history is this. We are known as a people of this book, the Bible. We don't apologize from it. We don't back up from it. We don't make excuses about it. We don't say it's cultural. We don't say it's old-timey. We say it's for today. It's relevant for life and godliness and all manner of service. It tells us how to worship. It tells us who our God is. It tells us of His promises. It tells us of the end of history. It tells us of Jesus from the front to the back. The gospel is there. They pause to read it. Do we? Are you reading your Bible other than Sunday school and worship service? You better be reading it. We're to be a people of the book. I want to share just a few scriptures with you. You may like it. You may not like it. I don't know. Romans. You'll know this one. Chapter 10. Verse 17 says it this way. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When I tell you to witness, you share scripture. They can get away from what you say or I say. The Holy Spirit does not let them get away from the word of God. That's the way faith comes. That's why we read it in our Sunday school classes and study it. We need to understand what the Bible really says. Psalm 119, verse 89, says it this way. It says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Forever. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's Psalm 119, 105. We can keep going. There's another one in in Mark chapter uh, 13, if you want to reference verse 31. Here's the point. Do we revere the Word of God enough to read it, to study it? Let me suggest some things for us today. Do you realize that the Bible contains the finished Word of God? Nothing to be added, nothing to be left out. Do you understand that? Say it again. Okay, you see, the Bible says what our state is, the state of man. It tells us the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, the joy of victory to believers. It tells us all this without error, and itself it says it will stand forever. Ever. Jesus said not one jot, not one tittle will pass away till all is accomplished. A jot. A crossing of a T. A tittle, a dotting of a die. It might be backwards, but anyway, you get the point. Not one little piece of the word will fail. We need to understand that. See, we need to read it and apply it to be wise. We need its nourishment to grow. By its light, we are guided. By its power, we are changed. It's the book that leads to light and life and happiness. If you're down in the dumps, start reading the Psalms. If you're really down in the dumps, read about Jesus dying and being resurrected and the hope that that gives us. You see, we need to remember to read it slowly, carefully, prayerfully, frequently, and diligently. We need to understand that 
it is to apply to our daily lives, is to change us. These people paused to read. They heard, they pondered the Word of God, they memorized, they rejoiced of who their God was and what He had told them. Are you rejoicing in who your God is and what He has told you in His Word? We need to pause and worship. We need to pause and read our Bibles. The third thing is this. The people pause to reach out to others. To reach out to others. Look at verse 33 and verse 35. It says in verse 33 that they were on both sides of the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger as well as he was born among them. Verse 35 goes on. It talks about that they assembled all of them with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. See, they paused to reach out to others. These folks have been telling others about their God. Others came to know their God. How do I know that? Because the Bible says they were strangers among them, worshiping and listening to God's word with them. How did the strangers get there? They came to know the real God of Israel, the one true living God. Somebody told them. Do we understand that? Here's what that means. The good news of the gospel is that there's room for everyone. Let's say that again. You didn't catch that. The good news of the gospel is that there's room for everyone. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. We are precious in his sight. There's room for everyone. It doesn't matter who your parents were. If if it mattered that, my daddy would have disqualified me till he was saved. He would have. You know, you walk through town. Oh, that's that wise boy. Watch him. And they should have. But you see, we need to understand there's room for everyone. Matthew 11, verse 28. He told us, Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. Do you get that? All you who are heavy and labor down, laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of spirit, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you understand that he said, Come. Jesus would commonly say, come follow me, come after me, come to me. That's one of his favorite designations for us and instructions for us in the New Testament. Come, come, all ye come. What does come mean? The C stands for children, the O for older people, the M for middle age, and the E is for everyone else. You'll find yourself in there somewhere. There's a place for you in the gospel. There's a place for me in the gospel. We give to support missions because we want all men to come to Christ. We believe there's room for everyone. We're more than just hatch, match, patch, and dispatch. We are here to enlarge the kingdom of God till he calls us home or comes back. Everyone here is called to be a witness. There's your purpose in life. Well, no, I was created. No, Jesus saved you to be a witness. 
Because he told not just the twelve, he told all of them. As you go, make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. Brother Ronnie takes the low to mean out of an airplane. I have friends that take the low to mean while they snorkel. I'm not getting that deep either. The whole thing is, these are some instructions that they did as they paused. As we pause, we need to worship. As we pause and you're in your prayer time, you need to have your Bible with you to read your Bible and let God speak to you. Now listen to me. Don't do like a lot of people. We spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long you pray with all of our requests. That's good. God wants you to make your request known to him. But then we say, God, what do you want me to do? And we wait a few seconds and we don't hear anything. We get up and we leave. Shouldn't we be reading the Bible and asking him and waiting for him to answer us? Uh, you hearing from God, Brother Gary? You, you, you hearing? Listen to me. If you're not hearing from God, something's wrong. The one who loved us enough to give his precious son for us in our place to die on the cross. You don't think he wants to talk to you? If you start hearing audible voices, go to the doctor. But I know exactly what God's voice is. and I know how he speaks to me. I know it without any doubt. It seizes my heart and my mind. And I think, okay, God, what is it? And I promise you will too. If you pause to worship, to read, and you pause to tell others. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Some need to come this morning. You've never accepted Jesus Christ publicly. When I talk about speaking to God and hearing from God, you're one of the ones that think I have just lost my ever-loving mind. And I might have lost my mind, but I'm not wrong about that. And you need to come and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior publicly. That's the way he called. Did you notice Jesus never called or accepted private disciples? They had to make a stand publicly. That's why we ask people to come forward. And from Scripture, I'll show you how to ask Christ to save you of your sins and be the Lord of your life. Some need to come and join this church by baptism or letter or statement, how we receive members, because after you've accepted Christ... He wants you to be baptized, but not only that, He wants you to serve in a local baptized body of believers because He has gifted you after you're saved. Some need to come and surrender burden. Some need to come in rededication because it's been so long since you paused to do one of these three things. You've been so busy, being busy, even busy for God, that you forget to worship. And you need to come back to your first love. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us a hymn of invitation. And you come as God wants you to come. Father God, let your will and only your will be done during this time. Help us to realize as a church that if we don't do these three things, it doesn't matter what else we do, we've missed it. Lord, we want to love you. We want to experience you in our lives. We want to surrender to you anew each day. And feel the freshness of your spirit. Lord, we want to feel the pleasure you have in your people. Your love. So Lord, help us to make the decisions that will honor and glorify you right now. In Christ's name.
Amen.